Hey friends, welcome to Wednesday, March 15th. Thanks for joining me for Enough for Today. On this program, we are slow walking through the Psalms. The Psalms is more than a songbook. It's the inside out view of God followers over centuries. So when you read narratives of scripture, you wonder what were the people thinking or feeling or those that were following God in these eras, what were they experiencing? Well, the Psalms kind of chronicle that for us and help us understand what it meant to be a worshiper of God through very hard and difficult things and high points and low points and kind of all over the map. So as we come to Psalm 74, the people of Israel have experienced unspeakable tragedy. Now they have been warned about it for really more than 150 years. God called them to return to himself to avoid the invasion of the Babylonian empire. Uh, Then he said, well, the Babylonians are going to invade, but they don't have to destroy you. They don't have to destroy your temple or your worship. You can stay right where you are and continue to worship me, but you'll live under their authority. But the people wouldn't have that either. They, They defied God and his prophets and his mercy and his grace that he continued to offer and unfold time and time again. Finally, God said, because of your disobedience and rebellion, you're going to be exiled. The Babylonians are going to destroy the city. They're going to destroy the temple. They're going to take you hostage and leave just a handful of you back here to deteriorate in this remnant uh, devastation. And yet, I'm still going to be good to my covenant, and I'm still going to be with you, and I'm still going to take care of you for those of you who faith or trust or follow me in this. Well, this psalm is written likely in the middle of all that devastation. The city has lying in ruins now. The, the, the parallel of this psalm would be the book of Lamentations, uh, Jeremiah weeping over the devastation of the city. So, let's dive in. O oh God, why cast us, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why do, does thine anger s- uh, smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Remember thy congregation which thou hast purchased of old the rod of thine inheritance which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion wherein thou hast dwelt. Lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations, even all that the enemy hath done wickedly in the sanctuary. So verse three is where we left off last time. The prayer is, God, would you step into this? I love this phrase, lift up thy feet into the perpetual desolations. Yeah, the psalmist is begging for deliverance and rescue, but more than that, the psalmist is begging for the presence of God in the middle of the distress. And that is a huge takeaway for us, that more than we need to be delivered from our present distresses, we need to experience the presence of God in them. And that begins with exactly the same tactic that the psalmist is using here. Prayer. Go to God. Lay out your trouble before him appeal make make it make an appeal for the case of god's presence god's mercy god's covenant god's strength god's name god's glory lay it out before him god this is why i need you these are my motives so the psalmist is saying lord bring your feet bring your presence into the sense that we have that we are in perpetual desolation or despair even all that the enemy hath done wickedly in the sanctuary. Now remember, the sanctuary was the temporary representation of the dwelling place of God. So in their vernacular and in their context, the sanctuary was the presence of God. The idea that they were living in a city that was peace, filled with peace and living in peace, and that in the middle of that city there was the sanctuary 
where they knew the pre- presence of God was dwelling, it gave them a sense that um, he's really the king, he's really the leader and savior and the shepherd, and he's with us. So when the Babylonians come in and they just raise the city and just destroy everything, and they throw down the sanctuary, then the sense is that they've taken God away. God's gone. They've defiled and done wickedly in the sanctuary. Now, they don't really fully understand the fact that God's going to be with them. They should have. They should have. Jeremiah said it, that God's going to be with them. They just have tied so much of their national identity and sense of meaning to this very sanctuary that is now in ruins. Verse 4, Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations. They set up their ensigns for signs. An ensign and a sign is like a banner or a flag. So the Babylonians came in and staked their flag and raised it in victory. So the flag of paganism is flying over Temple Mount. It's just unthinkable if you're an ancient Israelite. And they can't wrap their brains around why, how this could possibly bring glory to God. Um, so the enemy's done wickedly, they're roaring, they're carousing, they're, they're triumphing, they're celebrating victory in mockery and scorn in the middle of the assembly of what was the assembly of God's people uh, in Jerusalem, and they're raising their flag in victory. Verse 5, a man was famous according as he had lifted up axes upon the thick trees, now, this is interesting. What is that even a reference to? Okay. Um, well, this has happened more than once in the Holy Land, in Israel. Um, when people, okay, let, me, let me back up. If you own a car, you take care of it. You wash it. You, you clean it. You maintain it. You restore it. You fill it with the tires with air, and you put gas in the tank, and you change the oil. And you have a sense of ownership. Okay. If you rent a car... Hopefully you're not completely irresponsible, but you probably treat it with a little less concern. It's not my car, using it for a couple days. Uh, Maybe you don't even throw away all the trash that you had uh, from your sack lunch when you turn it in, you know. I mean, you're not so concerned about the state of things. Well, when these pagan nations would invade these foreign countries like this, they cared nothing for their culture, they cared nothing for their history, they cared nothing for their memorials or their... Uh, whoever used to be their king or uh, they just they don't care anything about this place and they don't care about the land they they come in and they want the resources so they they pillage they spoil they they take whatever they can get their hands on in terms of money in terms of treasure in terms of precious things metals and stones they 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 burn everything they destroy everything they cut down all the trees and take the wood Um, I mean, they literally just devastate the land. Well, when you do that, when you you just level a land, um, you cut down trees, you destroy vegetation, you set things on fire, you're changing the very ecosystem of that land. And now the life that was there cannot be sustained because there's not the vegetation to sustain it. There's not the trees to sustain it. The soil's not being replaced. I mean, the whole system... The whole circle of life changes. And this is why Israel, time and time and time again, the nation of Israel has become a desert wasteland 
because when a nation will come in, they just destroy everything and it becomes a wasteland. And really nothing, life cannot be sustained there very easily. But when you own the land and when you are occupying the land, then you, then you take care of the land. You, re, you, you plant trees as you're cutting them down. You um, plant new, heart, new uh, fields. You cultivate new fields as you're harvesting. And you're thinking of the whole system and, and you're cultivating the whole system and living in that system so the land can flourish because you are keeping it flourishing, okay? So the point the psalmist is making is that when the Babylonians came in, they destroyed everything and um, they were celebrating the guy that could chop down the most trees and wreak the most havoc and bring about the most destruction. A man was famous according as he lifted up axes upon thick trees. Destruction was the goal. Devastation was the goal. And it's, a, it's, it's all a picture, bringing Old Testament into New Testament, it is all a picture of the fact that in Jesus there is life, and in sin and Satan and spiritual warfare, our spiritual enemies, there is death, there is darkness, there is despair, there is sorrow, there is grief, there is lifelessness. And as Jesus wants to help you flourish, your enemy wants to celebrate your despair and your demise. And the psalmist is going to God and saying, God, this is it. They have literally chopped down the very sources of life in our nation. Now, I've got to pause here because I've already taken too much time. But um, this is a dark place, but the psalmist isn't going to stay here. He is rehearsing and laying it out and and objectifying, not just emotionally responding, but differentiating and looking at, he is essentially saying, God, give me a God's eye view of what from the front lines and the trenches, from what from the ground level looks like nothing but perpetual desolation. God, lift me up, give me the 30,000 foot view and help me see, is there any hope here or is everything lost? We're gonna find out what the response was in the coming days, we'll see you tomorrow.